2-2. Line drive. Here comes Wade. Here's the throw. He's safe. And the Yankees walk off into the postseason. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to episode 62 of All In With Kevin. I'm your host, Kevin Lewis. In today's episode, I'm going to talk about the Yankees um, down to the wire game 162 to make it into the postseason. And I'm going to talk a little bit about the New York Jets scintillating 27-24 win over the Tennessee Titans. Um, I'll start with the Jets. Um, I've said on this podcast before, and I've said to basically anybody who will listen, um, all I really want from the Jets is to develop the quarterback or do what's best in developing the quarterback and to play a reasonably fun brand of football. Like, if you're going to be bad, at least be interesting. Score some points, play a fun brand of football, blah, 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 all of that. Like... Nobody bad and boring is basically what the Jets have been for a decade, and nobody really wants that. So that they 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 checked all the boxes yesterday. This is being recorded on Monday morning. Um, they checked all the boxes yesterday. Look, they they the the defense was flying all over the place. They they've had a really good start to the season. Um. The offense, uh, there, there's some play calling you can find gripes with with Matt, with Mike Lafleur, but he was better today than he was in previous years. You saw some of the creative stuff that um, that Kyle Shanahan has made his bones on in the NFL. Like you saw some of that stuff. Um, so the sequencing made more sense. Like he, as Zach became more comfortable, Lafleur became more aggressive, which I mean, it makes sense when you think about it. Um. Uh, so that that was the thing. Um, Zach showed showed why he was picked number two. Like, there's gonna be growing pains. It's not always gonna look as good as it did Sunday. There's gonna be times where Zach looks bad. There's gonna be times where the offense looks bad. There's gonna be times where he throws picks and he makes mistakes. He's a rookie quarterback. He is supposed to. But the ability to do the type of things off script that he can do the kind of arm strength that he has, the kind of plays he can make outside of structure and outside of the pocket are exactly why the Jets drafted Zach Wilson as highly as he did, as they did, and why he was such a highly, um, a highly sought-after commodity in the draft process. He can do those kind of things. Like the, the deep pass to, to Keelan Cole down the sideline um, at 9-7, to seven, I believe it was. Yes, 9-7. to seven, the, the deep pass he threw to Keelan Cole where he rolled out of the pocket. Not a lot of people can make that throw in professional football. There might be 10, 11, 12, maybe, maybe, who can make that throw. Like, he, he does stuff like that. He, is, he has the ability to do stuff like that. The, the touchdown to Corey Davis, like, not many people are making that throw and putting it in that spot precisely, as Zach Wilson did. He has the ability to do those kind of things, which is why... All the talk after the New England game being about how, oh, you have to rein him in and you can't just let the young quarterback run amok and this, that, and the third. I know I've beaten this to death, but I'll talk about it again because that that game was a good snapshot as to why that they have to rein him in talk is, is uh, it, it would be a waste of time to do that. You're not, he's not learning anything if you do that. 
if you if you wanted to draft somebody to throw a whole bunch of four or five yard passes and try and build an offense to score on twenty three yard plays all the time, you could have drafted Mac Jones. You could have traded back and did it also. Because and I mean, granted, the, the the Mac Jones praise tour has gone absolutely insane. Like they're acting like. Mac Jones has had to do the least of any of the rookie quarterbacks, and he hasn't been good. And, and all we hear about is Mac Jones. But I'm, I'm not going to derail this podcast, so I'm going to stop talking about Mac Jones. But if you wanted to, Zach, they they drafted Zach Wilson because he he is a he is an aggressive quarterback. That's part of the reason they drafted him. Um, you look at his BYU film. You look at the people who know more than this about me. And their analysis of him, like his his strength, one of his biggest strengths is throwing the ball down the field. His he has special arm talent. That was the that was the, that was the that was the four one one on him coming out of college. Yeah, special arm talent. He can move. Like he he makes he makes off platform throws, off platform throws, all of that stuff. So trying to rein him in and trying to be quote-unquote safe, I understand every single quarterback in the league gets easy throws, whether it's by design, whether it's because that's what they do, that's what they're good at, as opposed to other stuff, or whether that's all they can do. Every single quarterback in the league gets easy throws. Yeah, sometimes you're going to have to play boring football. No question. Obviously, every situation is different, context matters, every game is different, like the personnel that you have on the field, the other team has on the field, all all of that stuff goes into it. No question. But if you're trying to build an entire offense around quote unquote boring, boring, safe, underneath kind of football with a 22 year old quarterback on what should be a bad team, you're doing it wrong. Because that doesn't, Zach Wilson doesn't learn shit. And that's not why you drafted him. Like, you did not draft him to put him in handcuffs. Like, obviously, you don't want him to be Jameis Winston either. I understand. There has to be a happy medium. And that's kind of the point that I've been trying to get... The, the point I've been trying to get across. Like, you have to have a happy medium. But ultimately, Zach do, throwing everything underneath doesn't do shit for anybody. Like, it don't do, it don't do shit for the Jets because it's not helping you win games in your current context. And it doesn't do shit for Zach Wilson's development. But ultimately... There were some things he could have done better today. Like, like um, they had him throw on third and eight with two minutes left. The Titans had no timeouts left, I believe, and he overthrew Corey Davis on the sideline. That that should have been a completion, and the game should have been over for all, for all intents and purposes. But he missed that. Hopefully, he gets better with that. That that's fine. Guys are gonna make mistakes. Um, the overtime where where. Um, they, they ran a boot and he had Ryan Griffin butt naked opening the flats and he missed him like that that was bad but I mean he played well like, again he showed signs of why they drafted him number two I'm still not a big fan of the play caller um, I'm not going to complain too much about it because they did score 27 points but the run run pass shit got to go um, and like the worst part of the game was the fact that they they, they they had a long drive, 70 plus yard drive for a touchdown on, on the fourth drive of the game, on their fourth drive of the game, where, you know, they they 
they, they, they had balance. They, were, they had the, the right amount of aggressiveness, on and on and on. They scored, and, and then the next two drives went run, run, pass, punt. I just... <sighs> anyway, um, <laughs> and then, like, like, later on, after the big completion to Keelan Cole, they, they, they threw two straight screens two straight screens and then threw a pass to Ryan Griffin. It was just some really weird sequencing, whatever. He was better. LaFleur was better, was better today. Um, baby steps. Baby steps. Um, Corey Davis, I, I, I'm glad he, uh, he rebounded because it was a rough start to that game. He had a drop. Yes, I know the pass was thrown behind him and I've seen that a bunch of times. The pass had to be thrown behind him because if it wasn't, he was going to get his head knocked off. Nobody needs that, not especially not him. I'm sure he would tell you that too. Like Zach Wilson, one thing I've noticed with him over the course of the first four games is he does a good job of protecting his receivers. Like he's not going to lead you for the most part anyway. He's not going to lead you into danger. So he Corey Davis running across the middle. If you would have let him, like he would have got his head knocked off. He threw it behind him. He protected him and he dropped it, and then he he ran he ran around and slipped, which led to a Wilson interception. It, it wasn't the finest moment. He rebounded, good for him. Corey Davis is a good professional wide receiver. Yes, I made my Corey McCarron's jokes and all that, but Corey Davis has the pedigree. He has the production. He's a good receiver. Do you, is is he the number one? I don't really do all the number one, number two talk. Is he? Uh, an offense you should be building an entire offense. Uh, is he a player you should be building an entire offense around, uh, an entire passing game around? Probably not. But can you have a really good offense if Corey Davis is one of your primary playmakers? Yes. He's a good player. He's absolutely a good player. Yes, yes. We got our jokes off. We talked our shit. And it's been, it has not been great as far as the drops. But another thing I'll say as far as drops, and this is not to absolve him, but like obviously, just like with anything else negative, it becomes easier if you're scoring a bunch of points, or just points generally. Like, the reason people are on Corey's ass for the last couple of weeks is because the Jets ain't scoring. Simple. The Jets didn't score. The Jets scored six points in two weeks. So, of course, we're going to be on Corey Davis for, for, for big drops because he had he had them in both games. But he, 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 he balled today. He, he was there for his quarterback. He helped him. Good for him. I'm 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 happy for him. I've always been a Corey Davis guy, so I'm I'm happy he had a big game. Um, Quincy Williams was flying all over the place. Now, if he would just look up at, at occasion, he might have had a couple of interceptions, but he was flying all over the place. He had a hell of a game. Uh, he was hitting everything in sight. Uh, Quentin Williams had a really good game. I, I know he's a lightning rod amongst Jet fans because you know of, of how high he was taken versus his actual production. Whether he's actually good, whether he's great, whether he's not, whatever, he had he had a hell of a game. The, the defense kept them in the game. I mean, th- that's been a common theme the, the the first few weeks of the year. The defense kept them in the game in the first half while the offense was sputtering. The offense did show some signs of life in the second quarter with that touchdown drive. Um, but the defense did the the defense has been. A revelation all year, and a lot of it is with dudes you've never heard of, bro. Like I, I'm watching the game, and I've watched, I've watched every game this year. Like I watched the preseason. I follow the team, like not as hard as I used to, but I follow them hard enough. 
And multiple times in the game, I'm like, yo, who's that? Who just made that? And it's guys who are playing well, too. Like, who's that? Who just made that tackle? Who's that? Who just who just made that? Uh, who just had that um, pass breakup? Who's that? And Salah is getting the most out of his guys. Like, when they hired him, you kind of knew that he was going to get the most out of the defense. That, that should be a given. Like, he was going to get the most out of the defense. There are really competent and shockingly so given how early in the process that it is like they look like a really well coached unit they did it was it, it was a good it was a good all around game um like it was it, like Jamison Crowder being back is it, nice he's a he's a nice steady he's a, he's a nice steady a steady hand like he gets open solid hands it was nice to have him back, and and I mean, Braxton Barrios had a couple of good plays, and you know he had a couple of good returns too. But it's nice to not have to target him ten times a game. No offense to that guy; he's not a bad player. I know I make my jokes, but targeting him at one point, the Jets were targeting him to on twenty eight percent of dropback. That that's irresponsible. That's heinous. <laughs> like, no, he ain't that guy, bro. He he ain't. He's not that guy. At all. 16. You're not that guy, pal. Trust me. You're not that guy. Okay. Yeah. Are you? Absolutely. And that, that that was the the single best pass rushing performance I've seen from the Jets defense as a unit in like ten years. Like I don't think I'm being hyperbolic when I say that. Now the Titans offensive line kind of reeks, so that needs to be taken into account here. They stink, okay? And they, they were doing Tannehill no favors, and Tannehill was out here throwing to to, to basically uh, the cat, um, Drew Hill. Like Drew Hill was, was his wide receivers. It was it wasn't great. I, I thought he played a good game given his context and given the kind of defense the Jets were playing. But they had nobody at receiver. Derrick Henry's a monster. Um, I feel like the Jets did a really good job containing him outside of basically two drives. Like uh, there was one point in the third quarter where it was third or fourth, I can't remember, but um, he was just doing whatever he wanted. The Titans' offensive line was was uh, was creating a lot, was creating nice creases for him. Um, the kind of runs they were calling were kind of throwing the Jets off a little bit. So I mean, that happens. Derrick Henry is arguably the best running back in football, so that's gonna happen. He's gonna get his at some point. He, he happened to get his on a couple of drives against the Jets, but for the most part, they, they did a good job. Jeremy McNichols was a pain in the ass for them in the screen game. That was annoying because it can't be that hard to tackle Jeremy fucking McNichols, but whatever. Either way, um, they smacked them a couple times later on in the game. Um, yeah, ultimately, man, it was it was a good win. The offense was good. The defense was good. Can't really complain about the coaching. Like, it was a watchable, good game football game like really compelling football game and just fun it was fun I I don't ask for a lot of I don't ask for a lot from the Jets at this point just fun because it's gonna be it's gonna be a minute until the Jets are good if they even get there uh, um, under under that GM under this GM and coach it's gonna be a minute until they're good uh, so I'm just asking to be a watchable commodity now next week they see the Falcons in London uh, that's a very winnable football game. I, I don't believe in the Falcons at all. And Matt Ryan looks like he's cooked. 
So we'll see what happens. Um, I'm ready for it. Um, the Jets have a, a string of winnable games coming up, and we'll see where, what they do with it. All right, so moving on to the Yankees. Um, this has been, I mean, first of all, the Yankees won 1-0 in game 162 to make it to the wild card game. And they will see the, the Boston Red Sox in a winner-take-all wild card game on Tuesday night. Now, I didn't watch much of the game. I, I tuned in, I, I was tuning in and out. First of all, shout out to G- shout out to Giro Rochella. Now he, there was a play in the fifth inning, either the fifth or the sixth, I believe it was the fifth, where somebody popped a f- up, somebody popped up a foul ball near the third base, n- near the race dugout. Giro Rochella sprint. He was um, a left-handed hitter. Was up. I think it was G Man Troy. Was up. So Gio is sprinting from a long ways away because because um, the Yankees have the shift on. So he get he gets the foul pop up, and then he and then he falls into the Rays dugout. So it was a scary moment. He brushed it off and came back in the game, which is wild to me. But he came back in the game. He, he eventually left later on. I'm assuming uh, the adrenaline wore off and he was and he was in he was in big pain because that's what it looked like. Um. But shout out to him, first of all, off off the top. Second of all, I know we give Aaron Boone a lot of guff and a lot of grief, and understandably, because Aaron Boone does a lot of really puzzling things as far as managing, especially managing his bullpen. He does a lot of puzzling and, and quite frankly, infuriating things. He managed that game beautifully. Like, he didn't waste time trying to... and, And I mean, granted, it sucks that it takes a game of this level of urgency for him to manage like this. And I understand that you can't manage every game like this. I get that. But it, at some point, you, you got to worry a little bit less about your bullpen guy's feelings and your player's feelings in general and just manage like, okay, we, 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 we have to win. And granted, that's what it was. They had to win to get in. They had to, or they had to win to get into, to get into the Walker game. So he managed... Proactively, like he met, he didn't he didn't do the whole steal outs bullshit. He managed proactively, and the Yankees pitching staff responded with one hell of a performance. Like Jamison Tyone pitched, I want to say it was three and a third, a scoreless. Shout out to him. And everybody and all the other pitchers who came in the game gave up nothing. Obviously, it was it was it was an all hands on deck kind of effort. And everybody delivered. And the good thing about that game is that they didn't have to use Severino. So he's locked and loaded and ready to go for Tuesday. But it's been such a long, all-over-the-place kind of up-and-down season from the Yankees. Like, we've seen, like, 10, 15 different iterations of the Yankees. Like, oh... Oh, the world beauty Yankee, they beat everybody. Da da da. They've won fifteen out of nineteen. Da da da. Oh, they've won thirteen straight. Da da da. They've won twenty-four out of thirty. Da da da. We've seen that. We've seen, oh, they they lose ten out of eleven. Oh, they've they've lost eight straight and they've done this and they've done that. And the only thing that I could say confidently about the Yankees is well, only two things. One, their off their pitching staff has been very good. 
It's exceeded it's exceeded exceeded expectations. The Yankees pitching development looks like it's taken a step and it might be the best it's ever been in my fandom. Because um Sam Breend is is I want to uh, I can't remember his title off the top of my head. I I think he's just the he's the he's the pitching de- development coordinator. He's done a hell of a job on at every level. Like you see the Yankees development all over the farm system too, and and it, it it's promising. The Matt Blake at the at the MLB level, he's been amazing. The staff finished first in in, in the AL ERA. I understand that ERA doesn't doesn't tell the entire story. I know there are, there are other advanced stats that are more indicative than ERA or whatever. I'm not super first on those so I can't speak on those so I'll speak on the ERA they were first in that so I can say that confidently the Yankees pitching staff is good especially the, the, the bullpen you have Severino there now and you have Loisa go back the bullpen is a, a legitimate weapon um, and that 99 and 27 are carrying the offense I'm not a big oh you gotta change everything light it on fire overhaul buy this player buy that player like I'm not that guy anymore like buying one or two guys cool or acquiring one or two guys cool like I'm with that I'm not really the the, the light it on fire and and overreact but like saying that the Yankees need an offensive overhaul isn't exactly the wildest thought process my thing with it is it's largely the same cast of characters and they were they were top five in offense each of the last four years before this one. So what changed? Like why did everybody just fall off? Now, like Gary, 2019 he was really good. Last year he was bad. This year he was better than he was last year. He was he was an average catcher. And as much as I love the guy, um, I understand the case for moving on from him. I, I, I get it. Like if you if you think the juice is not worth the squeeze anymore because this bat isn't what what it once was and you want to move in a different direction, I understand that. There there's a there's reasonable arguments to be made on both sides of the discussion. The problem is the people who want to argue about Gary and I'm and I'm talking about daily kind of arguing about are aren't the type of people who are gonna make these reasonable points. So it's point it's it's a moot point, it's pointless to argue with these people. But if you wanna move on from him, I get it. Only thing I'll say is like, what if this is a coaching issue? Like, what if this is an approach issue? I'm asking this generally because, like, Gary, we saw he was in 2019, he fell off. Gleyber Torres, we saw what he was in 2019, he fell off. Girochella, he fell off. Lemayu fell off, but Lemayu pretty much he, this year he was the same guy he was in Colorado. Attributed to whatever you want, injuries, uh, the ball not being juiced no more, whatever you want to put on, put it on, put onto it, do it, do you. But he fell off. Like Judge did his job. Judge is a top insert small number player in baseball here. He just is. Stanton is one of the best hitters on planet Earth. He performed like it. Like, Gardner, I guess, exceeded expectations. He was really good in the second half. I have to give him that. Um, Joey Gallo hasn't hasn't been particularly good since he got here. Um, I'm not too concerned about him long-term. Like, I think with a full offseason and 
like to get to get more acclimated here and that 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 whatever else to get more comfortable I think he'll be fine but he hasn't been particularly good either Rizzo really hasn't been that good either like what if this is like, what if this is an organizational kind of issue that's the only thing that makes me pause because I still believe in Gary's talent so and I mean it's catcher it's not like it's not like there's four or five six of them that are that are just gonna that are good that you could just pick from them like it's tough like it's it, it's a tough market, so I understand the argument for moving on. I'd I'd probably just keep him, but I get it. Um, first base, who the fuck knows? Because Voight, we don't know if he's gonna be back. Rizzo's likely not gonna be back. I hope Lemayu's not the one that they put at first, but who the fuck knows at this point? Um, the Yankees told you they needed a shortstop when they moved Glaber to second base and decided to move Gio Urshela off of third to short. And then move LeMayu off of second to third. So they're probably going to be signing a shortstop. It's just a matter of which one. But offensively, just this team is not it. Like, it's baseball. And I keep saying how random baseball is because it is. So you never know, right? This is why you want to get into the playoffs. Because you never fucking know. It's not the NBA where, yo, if you're the sixth seed, you ain't winning shit. You know this, I know this. You ain't winning shit. Like you, you hope to get to the second round, maybe, maybe, maybe the the conference finals in a lucky year. Maybe you get some injury luck or whatever. Maybe, but for the most part, you're the six seed. You know you're not winning nothing. You, you're just not. Like the NFL, you have you occasionally stuff happens. Like you might trick off a few regular season games. You might suffer an injury or two. No, no, no. But six seeds in the NFL win. But baseball is just you get you get into a playoffs and you just never fucking know. Like it just you, you had the series the, the the Astros um national series from a couple years ago where uh, not, a, not a single home team won a game in that in that series. It's stuff like that. It's stuff like that. Baseball is a random title generator. Like you you just there, there's no predicting baseball like that yes there there are times where the best team just wins period i feel like the 2017 astros are a decent example of that i feel like the 2018 red sox were an example of that and i feel like the 2016 cubs were the three most blatant examples that i can remember in recent times like those were just kind of wire to wire best team in the league kind of jobs and they won but this way you want to get into the playoffs but I mean, I don't know what happened to the Yankees' offense. Again, I've said this on this podcast before. I don't know what hitting coaches do or don't do. I don't know what the process is. I don't know how much the organization feeds them stuff. I don't know. But the Yankees' performance this year is pretty much enough to get Marcus Tibbs fired. Because if you're gonna, if you're going to hire and fire people based on performance. Then, Mar- then the Yankees being as disappointing as they were is enough to get Marcus Tim's fired. Is it his fault? No. The players got to go out there and perform. But something obviously changed from last year to this year, given that, again, this, uh, largely the same cast of characters had a top five offense each of the last four years and then stunk this year. That's just that simple and plain. That's what happened. 
So, I mean, I, I'm, I've, I've spent way too much time talking about what they can do going forward as opposed to the now. The now is they have a playoff game on Tuesday <laughs> against the Boston Red Sox on the road. Winner, winner goes on, loser goes home. It's like, first of all, that game today was intense. I, I, this is going to sound really goofy from a Yankees fan, but given that the that last year there was no there was no fans, you kind of forget just how tense playoff baseball is, or playoff caliber baseball, or wh- whatever you want to call it today, since it's technically not a playoff game, but. You forget how tense playoff baseball is. And I felt it. And I only watched, like, paid good, good attention to half of the game since I was watching the Jets. But it was it was, it was was tense, man. It was tense. And I missed it. Like, I missed that feeling. It, it just wasn't the same last year with Yankees raised in the playoffs. It wasn't. It wasn't. There, there were a few moments like that this year, too. In the regular season, because the Yankees got into the playoffs by 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 the hair on their by the hair on their chinny chin chin, so there, there was a few moments in the regular season like that. But I it it, it was it was something like the, the the tension was palpable. You could feel it, like you could feel it through the TV. <laughs> you could feel it in the announcers. You could feel it. Yeah, you could feel it with with every. Every loud cheer after a big out or whatever, like you could feel it. Like the tension was there, and it should be there in droves come Tuesday night. Um, Garrett Cole hasn't exactly been wonderful down the stretch. Like since he hurt his hamstring, he has not been great. I don't know if it's directly correlated to the hamstring or if it's just him being having a, a roughish quote unquote stretch. But this kind of game is why you paid him $324 million. This is why Garrett Cole is Garrett Cole. He's either going to finish first or second in the AL Cy Young Award voting. This is why you paid him. And this is exactly why that idea of starting him yesterday was stupid. That idea of starting him yesterday was dumb. Because if you start him and you lose, then the same people you were trying to avoid pitching, you got to now pitch with your season in the balance. That was always dumb. But Either way, the Yankees won the game. Moot point. Garrett Cole on the mound Tuesday at, Tuesday night against Nathan Navaldi, who's had some success against the Yankees. He got rocked by them the last time out. Hopefully, we get that again. But one game, Fenway Park. If you had asked me if I would have taken the, the, this before the season started, I would have told you, "Fuck no." <laughs> I would have told you something went awry somewhere because I expected them to win the, win the fucking division, but they didn't. Well, here we are, and I mean. You learn to appreciate the older I get and the more, you know, my consumption of sports and how I view it had, you know, has changed. Like, I'm not as, I guess, crazy, you want to call it? Like, I'm not as diehardy as I was five, six, seven, eight years ago. Like, I'm not. So, I'm more appreciative of things, especially as a Yankee fan where it's easy to be spoiled because we've been fucking spoiled. The Yankees have made the playoffs, like, what, 23 times in my life, bro, and I've been a fan for 26 years. It's easy to be spoiled by stuff. But you look across the league, I mean, being a Jets fan colors my my feelings here about being appreciative because 
2010 when the, when when the, when the Jets had Mark Sanchez and Rex Ryan and they were doing the damn thing or whatever, you just thought, okay, this is gonna be it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna always be like this. And I realize that football and baseball are different in that way, but it really makes you appreciate it more because other teams don't got it like this. The Yankees had a quote unquote underwhelming season and they won 92 games and they made the playoffs. Other teams don't have it like that. So while this is, a, this is a very imperfect team, you could bitch and moan about Brian Cashman until you're blue in the face. I choose not to because I think he's a good GM who's just made some mistakes. Everybody has those. Everybody has uh, has whiffs. Everybody has trades they wish they could have back. Free agent signing they wish they could have back. Free agent signing they wish they could have done. On and on and on. But um, it just... I don't know about anybody else but it becomes easier to appreciate the fact that a 92 win season is is quote unquote an off year when teams like the Pittsburgh Pirates exist hell teams like the Mets exist like the Mets aren't quite a Pirates level bad but they've been underwhelming for a long fucking time teams like that exist team like the teams like the Phillies exist they're underwhelming like more underwhelming than us it's easier to appreciate they, the Yankees have been a consistent playoff threat year in and year out since I've been a fan. They've been consistently, they, they put themselves in position where they're a legitimate World Series contender. Yes, I know they haven't won it since, they haven't won since 2009, so light everything on fire and burn shit. I, sure, whatever. But, I mean, they... They they have made they have put themselves in position where they they are contending for World Series titles year in and year out. I don't think that is appreciated enough because Yankee fans are out of their fucking minds, to be quite frank. But I don't think that's appreciated enough. And while again you want to win, duh, I understand. I'm not minimizing that, and I'm not even saying to say it's a failure is some bad thought process because ultimately you you go out there to win a fucking championship and if you don't it's a failure I understand that but like I've heard people like bitch and moan about the last like four years of Yankee baseball and it's like they they, they won a playoff series in three of those years a lot of people would kill for that a lot of teams would kill for that a lot of fans would kill for that and we just kind of act like it's our birthright. And again, I understand that too because, again, the Yankees have spoiled us. But I I have mellowed out in my old age and I've come to just appreciate the fact that every October... My, I, I'm, I'm going to be turning 34 in 11 days. Every October, I've gotten... For the most part, anyway, I've gotten high-leverage, critical baseball. And for that, I'm thankful. As far as the game itself, go to Boston, beat their ass, and move on to Tampa. That's the simple objective. I think the Yankees are going to win the game. I'm not going to fucking pick against them. Because fuck the Boston Red Sox and everybody who love them. Go to Boston, like Garrett Cole. This is why they paid you the big bucks. Um, I'm interested to see what kind of leash he has if, if it comes down to it. But, yo, go beat the Boston Red Sox and go get a little bit of revenge for 2018. Not quite the same, but get a little bit of revenge. Send, like, they're already at home, so keep them there. And then move on to Tampa. 
So that's it for me. Um, rate, review, and subscribe to my podcast. Also, listen to the Middle Initial Podcast on the Essential Podcast Network. I'm on there with Andrew L. Case and Drew Jackson as we discuss current sports topics. And listen to the No One Asked For Podcast with Jordan, Kyle, and Paulie as they discuss current pop culture topics. And also, you can listen to my own fancy podcast. I'm on Fly Fancy Unmuted with Drew, Drew, a, Drew a Cam as we discuss um, fantasy football weekly topics. That's it for me. I will see you when I see you, and go Yankees. Start spreading the news. 